Greetings, listeners. This is Father Dan Ruff, S.J., a Jesuit Catholic priest who works in campus ministry at St. Joseph's University, Philadelphia's Jesuit University, and I'm delighted to welcome you to Roughly Speaking. Hello, faithful listeners of Roughly Speaking. If you don't know who this is, my name is Aaron, and I help produce Father Ruff's podcast. I wanted to give you another update about the podcast and its status during this global pandemic. So as we spend time in quarantine and social distancing, Father Ruff and I have, of course, decided that exposure to each other is not the best practice. Fortunately, however, Father Bill Rickle of the Society of Jesus has generously offered to help um, in filling in my role in recording the podcast with and for Father Ruff and all of you. So this is good news because new episodes will be coming out soon. This whole global crisis has a lot to offer us. Of course, people are suffering and they need our prayers. Of course, there is a lot of pain and there's a lot of death and there's a lot of suffering around the world because of this outbreak. Of course, our daily living is changing rapidly as we're asked to stay home and social distance ourselves from others so as to prevent the spread of the illness. But... In a strange and almost hopeful way, despite social distancing, people are coming together like they never have before. Communities are supporting each other. People are re-remembering the things that they love to do. People are creating again. People are making music and painting beautiful art. People are sharing and reminding each other how special we are as humans and how, despite the worst circumstances, we can come together and alchemize this to make something positive in some way. Earlier this week, Father Ruff shared this post on Facebook, and I'm going to read it verbatim um, because I believe it has a lot to offer at this point. So Father Ruff says, A relative posted these lovely words from a woman who survived an epidemic in the 19th century. The author's name was Kitty O'Meara, 1839 to 1888. I know only that she was an Irish-French Catholic author, in any event, a ray of hope and an outcome worth praying for. Quote, And the people stayed home, and read books, and listened, and rested, and exercised, and made art, and played games, and grew gardens full of fresh food, and learned some new ways of being, and were still, and listened more deeply. Some meditated, some prayed, some danced. Some met their shadows, and the people began to think differently, and the people healed. And, in the absence of people living in ignorant, dangerous, mindless, and heartless ways, the earth began to heal. And when the danger passed, and the people joined together again, they grieved their losses, and made new choices, and dreamed new images and created new ways to live and heal the earth fully, as they had been healed. End quote. So this following episode, Father Ruff and I had recorded in the beginning of Lent, and we both agreed that it was a little too cerebral or theological for our target audience. But the words Father Ruff shares in this episode are about Lent, and they are still true. Given our current global circumstance, Lent is different now. We may have been called to change our Lenten practices in some way. But this doesn't mean that we have to give them up. Prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. I know at this time the world needs prayers. 
And while we have been called to fast from more than we ever could have thought, that doesn't mean that we can't pray. And we know that a lot of people need help and a lot of people are struggling to make ends meet in this time. So if there was ever a time to give alms and to give of yourself, it's now. So please enjoy this episode and look forward to future content of Father Ruff and Father Bill Rickle that will be coming up soon. Thanks for listening, everybody. Well, Lent has snuck up on us again, as it seems to do each year. It really was only a few weekends ago that we tossed out the last of the Christmas poinsettias. The liturgical historians tell us that what we know as Lent evolved in two different directions. First, and most importantly, it grew backwards from the Easter Vigil, which is celebrated on Holy Saturday, and was a time for preparation for adult baptism. This preparatory season started out as Holy Week, and gradually as people felt the need over time for a lengthier, more intensive time of preparation for the sacraments of initiation, the season was extended backwards. Those already baptized observed the season by praying in solidarity with and for the catechumens. As the Lenten season of pre-baptismal preparation started earlier and earlier, it eventually bumped into and overlapped with a separate 40-day ascetical fast, which was observed immediately following the Feast of the Epiphany. Recall that in the early church, and still today in the Orthodox churches, the Epiphany focused not on the Magi, but on the baptism of Jesus which we, of course, now celebrate on the Sunday after Epiphany. You may also recall that immediately following Jesus' baptism, as the Gospel of Mark recounts it, the Spirit drove Jesus out into the desert, and he remained in the desert for 40 days. Hence, in scheduling a 40-day season of fasting after the Epiphany, the Church was simply seeking to model and follow the example of our Lord Jesus' life. With the growing overlap between the pre-Easter period of baptismal prep and the post-Epiphany 40-day fast in imitation of Jesus, our Christian forebears eventually merged the two together. The prep for baptism focus one, sort of, in that the 40-day season of Lent is now one that precedes Easter rather than follows Epiphany. But the ascetical desert focus of the post-Epiphany fast remains part of the season that we know as Lent. And in terms of spiritual purpose, the two pre-Lents fit together well enough. Baptism remits sin and initiates the new Christian into the living body of Christ. The baptized die in the waters of baptism to their former life as sinners, or as pagans, and they are raised to new life with and in Christ. For the rest of us, Lent remains a time of solidarity and support for the catechumens, as well as a season of personal renewal. We soberly recall that Despite our having received the grace of baptism and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, we all remain sinners, and we use that desert time of fasting, prayer, and almsgiving, or charitable works, to repent or turn again toward God. We recommit ourselves to following Jesus more closely, and we renew our own baptism by honest self-examination, which can lead us back to the Sacrament of Reconciliation. Both Christians and Muslims learned the ascetical practices of prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, or good works, from our brothers and sisters in Judaism, which is the oldest of the three Abrahamic faiths. In the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew's Gospel, mainly written for Jewish Christians, we see Jesus commending these traditional spiritual disciplines, while calling, as he usually does in Matthew, for greater righteousness in practicing them. So, in Jesus' view, 
Almsgiving is to be in secret and not for outward show. And the same goes for praying and fasting. For us, it should suffice that God alone knows our minds and hearts. And we practice the Lenten disciplines not to impress God or to twist his arm, but rather to show our love and our devotion for him. The value of praying, I hope, is self-explanatory. So however you pray, think about using Lent to stretch yourself, to go a bit longer and a bit deeper. Talk to God as a friend, and then listen for God in the silence of your heart. The value of almsgiving or performing charitable works should also be self-explanatory. It's a way to imitate Jesus, and it's an expression of gratitude for how richly God has blessed us. It is more blessed to give than to receive. As for fasting, the world has changed since I was a kid when everybody gave up chocolate for Lent. Nowadays, we are more apt to give up candy to watch our waistlines, which is not a bad thing in itself, but it's not quite the true spirit of Lent. Father Michael Denk, writing a number of years ago in Our Sunday Visitor, helps us to rethink fasting in more contemporary terms. And I quote, A good Lenten abstinence may be to give up technology that doesn't aid prayer or almsgiving. Maybe this means giving up some things altogether, abstaining from TV during Lent, abstaining from video games on your iPad, or maybe even giving it up altogether for Lent, unless, of course, it somehow is helping you to pray or to give alms. Giving up surfing the Internet might entail real sacrifice and conversion, especially if it sometimes leads us to sites that are not good for our vocation as baptized Christians. Maybe fasting means turning off the radio and praying on the way to work, or listening to a CD of the rosary or a lecture. It might even mean calling someone you love and praying together over the phone. I warn, though, that our inclination is to run from silence, and maybe this Lent could be a great opportunity to foster silence in our lives, at least in some point of our day. End quote. However we choose to fast, it involves voluntarily surrendering something which in itself is good, so that our hunger for that thing reminds us of our deeper hunger, the hunger for union with God. As St. Augustine, a famously reformed sinner, came to understand and confessed to God, you have made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they can find rest in you. May we all seek and find rest in God this Lent. Thank you again for listening, everybody. We hope you come back in future weeks as Father Ruff and Father Rickle prepare to make some new content, even during this time of lockdown and quarantine. So best wishes, stay healthy, stay safe, stay inside, and maybe think about doing something that'll help you and your friends and your family heal.